0: so the phd definitely helped it gave me some support uh behind that and even after i got my phd i i revised some of the books that i written before to kind of oh, make really? them a little bit more academically correct oh, um, nice. adding some more references and so forth and and so it it definitely helped my writing career okay because uh not only does a phd after name on the book cover help sell it obviously lends credibility to what you're you're saying but it literally makes the book better by making it more truthful more accurate i could i could communicate my ideas more clearly because i understood them better
1: Fear stops us from achieving our true greatness. Are you a professional woman who is feeling stuck, unmotivated, or burned out? Are you worried about your wellness? Are you letting fear stop you from crushing your goals? If you answered yes to any or all of these, then this is the podcast for you. Dr. Charmaine Gregory, Night Shift Emergency Physician, Burnout Thriver, and Wellness Champion, along with everyday heroes just like you, will explore how to face fear in our lives and emerge victoriously. That's a Gregory here. Did you know that I'm on YouTube as well? You can find me at Charmaine Gregory M.D. See you there. Here. Hello, 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 Fearless Freedom fam. This is Dr. G and we're back for another exciting episode of the Fearless Freedom with Dr. G podcast. Today we have Bo Bennett with us and Bo is going to tell us all about himself and all of the things that he is up to. Take it away, Bo. Wow.
0: Hello. <laughs> It's good to be here. I'm up to a lot of things. It, it's funny that you said that because yeah, I was realizing, boy, I'm, I'm I'm pretty overwhelmed with all the things I got going on. I think I need to scale back a little bit. But let me uh, let me give you a, k- a quick brief summary. Um, I graduated uh, undergrad school with a business degree in marketing. Then I went into the business world and made a company. I grew a significant value. Sold that in 2001. And then shortly after that, I went back to school, got my PhD in social psychology. But uh, since then and before then, I have just been working constantly on writing books, creating different companies. Most of the companies have to do with the uh, the marketing book uh, publishing area. And now I'm doing a lot with artificial intelligence and incorporating a lot of that into what I do in the publishing industry. And uh and and that's, that's pretty much it. And I still write books. I, I'm an author of over 13 different books, mostly in the area of psychology, logic, critical thinking, reason. That's where, that's where most of my, uh, my books are written. And I, I've written a sitcom, uh, actually animated and produced a sitcom too. You could find that on YouTube Okay. Uh, under squatspotfitness.com.
1: Neat. Very neat. <laughs> so that's me. Yeah, that's 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 you, like you said, that's quite a lot. Um very impressive. Uh the PhD part. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was Thanks. going to school, got a PhD. Like, you know, I was like, I just went to the store and bought some milk. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sometimes it's it's gotta do it.
1: It's so funny. Yeah. I, I, I live with someone who has a PhD. That's why I'm laughing about it because I know that it's not a you know, it's not as simple as going and get some milk.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's it it's like going to get eggs the next town away at least that
1: uh, oh at, at least at least and create something at new in the field, which is amazing <laughs> yeah no that that's that's awesome and then so you know so you were you were doing well you you did, got the you got the business degree you started a business it sounds like it was uh, a good. Return investment from you know the expert equity because you were able to turn it over and um, essentially have a, a benefit from that monetary benefit. And then so then was there any fear involved with you deciding to go back and getting more education after that, or what what was going on that time? Like what prompted you to 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 want to do this deep dive into the the philosophy of things and and get a PhD.
0: Well, when I was growing up, I used to work for my dad when I was about ten years old. I worked in his in he had a shop in his basement. I uh, you I ran injection molding machines. So I was rolling these uh, hot plastic, you squirt them into molds, you open up the molds, you take out the piece. Very boring, monotonous job. But I found that I could pass time a lot quicker if I listened to my sister and mother's tapes. They had cassette tapes. They were both in sales, so they were all from like Anthony Robbins, Dennis Waitley, Zig Ziglar, all okay. the classics of the yeah. motivational movement. <laughs> and and, uh, and I really like fell in love with this stuff. I got all pumped and motivated. I loved listening to it. So I think that's what kind of uh, kicked me off into that psychology direction but okay. i wanted to make money more than anything so i knew that if i wanted money psychology probably wasn't the best way to go <laughs> statistically
1: right, right. speaking right
0: so that's why i went for for marketing and then after i i achieved that goal that's when i said okay now it's uh, now it's time to just scratch that itch of psychology and and that's what i did
1: okay okay cool and then so did you um I mean, did you have any fear associated with going back and becoming a student again? Because there's something about like, you know, you're you're out there, you you finished and then you're like are in the quote unquote real world. Right. And yeah, then you're yeah. you're doing all the things. And then now you are going to go back to that student life. Um, that's not always an easy adjustment, right? So that's why I'm wondering, you know, how did you deal with the fear associated with that? You know, um, did you have any, or was it like not a big deal or how did that go for you? Yeah. I'm not sure if
0: I would classify it as fear directly, but I, I did most of my school online, which was, uh, which was great when you have a family and I'm still running a business. I was able to spend all my time with my kids and do that. I had to go down to uh, residencies a couple times a year and that's when we we meet with everybody and and do like in-person things that the degree required but besides that i i think the uh the fear that i had or the the angst inside was, was more about being unsure that that i could handle the workload because yeah, like a. I was used to working on my own schedule, my own time, running my own businesses, doing things that I want. And now I'm going back to school, which, I mean, let's face it. I think anybody past the age of 18 still has nightmares about like waking up and not, you know, you didn't study for the test and you find yourself at school. I didn't study. (laughs) So like, I really want to go back to that. Uh, But it it turned out that, um, that with my personality and the way that I work, being able to do online schooling was was a perfect fit for me because unlike actually, okay, you have to go to class at a certain time with the online school, you have like work you had to get done for the week, but I could do it anytime I want and I could read ahead and I could, so it, I was setting my own schedule essentially, but, but just meeting these deadlines, which I always do in business anyway. So I found it like a really smooth, easy transition for me but if 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 I were to actually go back in class, like uh, especially as like uh, I think I was like in my my mid thirties um I would have been that would have been terrible that I see. that would that would have okay. been a a big um, a big jump from from yeah. what I was doing before, so yeah, the, the online part made it a uh, much easier and smoother transition,
1: oh, okay, neat, 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 yeah, because that that's what I visualized, right? I visualize that you were like going back to a campus and like, you know, you're having to like go to classes, you know, and all this stuff. So that, 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 makes it a lot, um a lot easier. And so it's good because then you can still like continue with your life. And, and then I love that you, you, you mentioned that it gave you an opportunity to like spend more time with your family, you know, which is always paramount right because you can oh, of
0: course yeah you know,
1: that's that those are the those are the um the indelible memories and things that uh mean a lot more than things so um yeah awesome and then so then so you did this you you know you're writing books now were you writing books around this time or was it afterward that you started writing the books
0: I wrote my first book in 2004, and that was that was before I went back to school, but right after I sold my first company of significant value. The book is I called see. Year to Success, and it, it's a 742 page book. Uh that it's really a big book. Picked. It's a big <laughs> book. It, it took me it took me over a year to write, like full time, not just like you know sc- scribbling every now and then. It was like a full time job for me to write this thing, and I I wanted to. I wanted I wanted to uh, put all of my thoughts and ideas like in in writing and something that I could really pass on to my children. Like here, this is this is kind of like my philosophy, and and I hope you find it helpful and useful. And then it turned out like this is really good. So I, I should publish. And the whole process of actually publishing that made me realize that this publishing industry is horrible for like writers like myself who aren't okay. a multi-million dollar author right, and, and don't right. have a bunch of publishing houses chasing me down. So that's that's when I started exploring the whole idea of, of self-publishing and online and how it works and using the, some of the technology and programming skills that I had. That's when I, I put together the first publishing company, uh, Ebookit, um, that eventually morphed into Book Marketing Pro, the, the company I run today. And then I have other spinoffs of that that incorporate AI into the writing process.
1: Oh neat. Okay. So it was like um, yeah. okay, that that's neat. Cause I was wondering how did you cause you know you mentioned you didn't really say what the original company was, but you know, you 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 mentioned having that and then you're going back and doing the psychology um PhD and then then you know you mentioned uh, 13 books, but then to have one um that is a, a basically like uh what do you call this now? It's like uh it's, uh, a timeless, not timeless. It's, um, it is, it's on, goes on forever, I guess. Like it's something, cause like you said, it was supposed to be your philosophies that you wanted to put down in writing so that your children could benefit from it. Mm. And then you realize it was so good that you actually, you know, publish it so the world could benefit from it. So, but now it's, um, yeah. what do, you, what's the other word for something that's around all the time? Uh, Infinite, uh, no. Timeless um, is, is good. What's that? Timeless. I said timeless. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. so it's now it's available for everybody to experience for generation, which is awesome. And then, so then you go back sure. to school, and then, um, how did you? So when you got done with school. How did you, what was the next transition? Like, how did you, did you at that point start to go full force into, you know, recreating or making opportunities in the publishing world and redesigning that or what happened there?
0: Well, it it started a little bit before that. I, after I wrote my first book, I was, I was kind of like in a, in a transition period where I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do next. So I'm kind of embarrassed to say, but it turned out to be a good thing. I wasted a lot of time debating online. Like uh, I even started a debate site. And and that's what really, really pulled me back into psychology because I was realizing that these people were clearly saying things that were demonstrably wrong, oh. but they sounded very convincing. So that that really piqued my interest. Like what's going on here? Why are these arguments so persuasive, yet they're so clearly wrong? And it's not just my opinion that they're wrong. I mean, they, they were demonstrably wrong, what they were saying. So that's what got me into the whole idea of uh, your studying of like, lo- fallacies. like, what's a logical fallacy? Uh, what's a cognitive bias? What's going on here? What are these um, these these tricks that go way back to Aristotle, the early philosophers and, and rhetoric? like how to persuade people. So that really uh, started interesting me. So I, I started like doing my own kind of studying up on philosophy, but then I realized with philosophy, it was kind of a dead end because with philosophy, you could pretty much come to any conclusion and there's no right or there's no wrong. I I mean, you just have a good philo- philosophical argument behind it. So I, I didn't like that. <laughs> Whereas With science, that's when you could like demonstrate things, you could test things, you could could, like statistically show things and probabilities involved. So that's what I liked. I I like that. uh, Not really deterministic because there is some ambiguity there, even with especially within the social sciences. It's not like chemistry where you put these two elements together and this definitely happens. With psychology, it's a lot more. factors that in mind is incredibly complex so you you can't easily have that kind of or or find that kind of pattern but it's still science nonetheless and it's still the same method that applies so that's what that's what really got me in into psychology again and i wanted to know more about it and that's when i went to uh, school with in psychology and then like after when i was done that whole process, I, I was writing books on psychology and, and critical thinking and logic and reason. So the PhD definitely helped. It gave me some support, uh, behind that. And even after I got my PhD, I, I revised some of the books that i written before to kind of like oh, make really? them a little bit more academically correct, oh, um, nice. adding some more references and so forth. And and so it, it definitely helped my writing career. Okay. Because, uh, not only does a PhD after name on the book cover help sell, it obviously lends credibility to what you're, you're saying, but it literally makes the book better by making it more truthful, more accurate. I could, I could communicate my ideas more clearly because I understood them better. So it was just a, um, it was just like a long process that, that helped me get all those books out there. And, and then, uh, and yeah, and during that whole time after that, just all about like publishing and helping other people get their books to the market as well.
1: Hey, it's Dr. G. And I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank you for listening to this episode. I'm so honored to have you here with me. Did you know that I can help you to get your own podcast started? with my podcasting launch course for professionals i walk you through everything you need to know about starting a podcast i'm with you every step of the way from sign up to launching your show with five episodes ready to go there's a done for you version that's also available if you would just rather And so then when did you start getting involved with like the AI technology piece of things? Like how did that, that come about?
0: Yeah, so it was about um I think it was in May of this year. I guess like I when you think like back, like when did this AI revolution start? Like when history looks back at this, what are they gonna say? And I, I think it was probably March of this year when when like a lot of these like chat GPT kind of released to the public. Mm. And I I know that I was on the waiting list for a long time, but I didn't get access until, until like, uh, like May. Uh, But other people got access earlier. But so like once I was introduced to, to that tool, it it was like um, it, it kind of like using a computer for the first time uh you may be too young for that but oh I, no I, I, no okay
1: <laughs> i had in my um in my sixth grade classroom we had a uh, you know the apple II w like the i we had one yeah. of those okay
0: okay <laughs> so- yeah, okay great so we're we we're probably around the same age yes, oh uh, yeah oh yeah you just look younger than i do <laughs> um the, uh, yeah so i, I apple too but i remember do you remember that like that first feeling when when you i know i like a little four loop program. Oh yeah. Like uh, oh, yeah. And you make the, like you make the little smiley face or you just do like some stupid ASCII art or a little three line program. It's like, wow, I can't <laughs> believe this. This is amazing. Oh yeah. And, and then like the, the first time I got on the internet like, back in 1994, I was blown away that I could actually put an image. I could upload an image and then somebody on the other side of the world could yes, see it, could like, see it immediately
1: practically
0: okay, yeah. Like, boom. yeah and the younger people don't realize this they don't they don't see they're like yeah, so that's called the internet <laughs> when you're right, part of right. the generation it's that always been there grow up but like they
1: also that. don't know what it's like to have a phone that you know you pick up like you know we, oh yeah <laughs>
0: right.
1: we actually have a phone in our house like a landline but nice. we used to have um we used to have a rotary and they were fascinated by that they were like what is this <laughs>
0: Oh my goodness! Yeah, that's that's really old school. Kind of like the uh, the that you roll up in the car.
1: Yeah, exactly just, right.
0: <laughs> yeah. So so um, what was luck with me? It was like you were just saying that, like you to... know, it's
1: just like like getting introduced to a computer for the first time and writing that little program yeah. that does like that simple task. You know, that was what it felt like when you first started utilizing the chat GPT right
0: so it it was it was just a, like an amazing experience like talking to this machine and, and the 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 wisdom that it presented and it was unlike anything like unlike google or something you know when you google things and you, and you get results it was a totally different experience and then as a programmer i was able to get into the back end and work with their api so the api is is like a programming interface that programmers yeah. could use to awesome. to use their their tools and incorporate it into your own tools. So now that that artificial intelligence is available that way, I literally have like dozens of what what I would consider brilliant ideas for websites, but I just don't have the bandwidth the, the time to to do this. So I'm just kind of like doing them in in order, uh, which are most of the things I'm most excited about and things that really fit into what I'm doing with publishing. So um I, I think it's an incredible future for for anybody who who wants to learn a little of uh, technology and learn how to incorporate AI into their business or into whatever they do. I think like everybody could benefit from it.
1: Wow. Yeah. So it's very interesting to hear that perspective because I think I think there's a lot of fear associated with artificial intelligence, right? Because oh, yeah. um probably Hollywood has a, played a role in this. <laughs> of course, because yeah. you know, you have like iRobot and you have all of these yeah. like, you know, sentient uh um artificial intelligent uh entities that you know decide that they want to take over, that the humans are no longer like
0: yeah. <laughs> up yeah. to
1: snuff. So, you know, yeah. I just it it's it just kind of it, it's kind of neat to hear hear you talk about it this way, you know, as uh not as a like um like a replacement, but as a adjunct, like an enhancer almost
0: yeah absolutely look at the technology one of two ways yeah they could it as a replacement for them or they could look at it as a tool that they could use to make their lives better in virtually every way so i, I think like obviously if you look at uh, the two different options one way is the better way to go but most people don't think like optimistically positively they, they they're like they they're filled with fear and and doubt and they think about like how AI is going to replace them and I like, today I had, like nasty comments from people that oh, really? I yeah saying like um, I'm destroying writers by like using AI technology to help writers or or like to replace writers but it really comes down to it if your job can be so easily replaced by a machine it's time to look for a new job. I mean, if you think about this, this has been going on for, this, this is nothing new. I mean, I think about like the, all the factories, w- when the robots, have you, know, um, you ever seen uh, Willy Wonka, the new yes. one guy, like he puts the little caps on the toothpaste, He does that every day. And then next thing, next scene, like the machine is doing it and he's yes. out of a job. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's unfortunate for the guy, but I mean, come on, man. Uh, <laughs> get a new job. I mean, I know it's not that easy always, but, but really like uh, if, if your job is so easily replaced, then you gotta, you gotta kind of take, take advantage of the technology and think like, how can you use that? And unlike like robotics um, or, you know, even going back further, like the um, electricity replaced, like the whale blubber and, and the light and all those people (laughs) <laughs> the, the the whale killers um yeah I mean, that's not easy for them but this is one instance where AI technology is available to everybody and it's just a matter of like learning a little bit about it and and using it uh and and using it to your advantage and and you will be able to see there's so many ways that you can use it for you financially and help your career Um, You might not be doing the same monotonous things you were doing before that AI could now do, but you could be doing so many new things. And I think like this is a great example of how it frees us up, create, um, frees it up like in the creative realm. Um, Like a lot of the books that and, and I'm an author of over 13 books, all non, well, 12 of which are nonfiction. And most of the books that I've written, AI do a better job. And, you know, so how do I feel about that? Well, <laughs> I, I'm, AI is an incredibly impressive tool. I, if I have to compete against that and I lose, well, that's okay. I mean, again, it's an incredibly impressive tool, um, but I know now my next projects writing, they're going to be a lot more creative um, or maybe a lot more focused on my, where my PhD is. And th- at my specialty that only I could actually write I so see. it's it's kind of freeing me up from all these ideas of the book I want to write because no one ever did and there's a need for them to the things that I actually um uh, that only I could actually do so so I'm excited about it and I I I yeah, like an incredible tool and I hope more people start to see it that way and, and take advantage of it
1: Yeah. Gotcha. 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 Wow. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's so interesting because um, that's, you know, what I'm, what you mentioned is definitely the biggest uh, probably obstacle for people in embracing new technologies. I mean, and, and, and it's, it's always been like that because I mean, you and I were around when the internet got growing and I just remember being in college and I happened to have gone to a school that was very like, um, on the cutting edge of technology. So they had like computers in the dorms and things like that. And so, you know, it was fascinating to me still to be able to do, as you said, to be in like, you know, I, I forgot what these chat rooms are called, but to be in like a chat room where I could talk to a friend who was in California, you know, yeah. um, when I'm in New York was just amazing because, you know, these pay phones were still around. then, And, and you know, there were the communication situa- situation was different but everybody didn't embrace that like right away. And people, like you said, were not like, they weren't learning how to program in, um, it wasn't Unix, I guess it was Unix, but like they weren't learning how to program to make, create websites and things like that. And so if you took on that, that skill set, you became an asset. And I mean, now people yeah. can do those things, but it's, it's, it reminds me of that you know and so the early yeah. adopters tend to be the ones that fear the best in situations like that because they're not afraid to take the steps necessary to learn about the new technology because they're not afraid of it they're not thinking cuz you yeah. you very clearly said that if you have a skill that is irreplaceable then a robot can never replace that right your expertise is irreplaceable it's by it's definition not right <laughs> So if you have, if you have that expertise, then you don't have to really worry about chat GPT coming in and, you know, (laughs) taking over your skills. So I think it's like a two part thing. It's like being, being bold enough to be an early adopter. And then also being comfortable enough with your skills to know that you're not replaceable. And if you don't have the skills actually, like, making an effort to go out and get a skill, get that yeah. one thing that you're so good at that nobody can replace you for it. Sure. You know,
0: or I, I just want to add, or being honest enough with yourself to tell yourself that, yeah, what, what I'm doing right now, it's, it's, I could easily be replaced. So maybe I should be looking at something else and you know, it's, it's never too late. I mean, I, uh, my, my story isn't fully written yet and, and I don't have like any major huge successes off of AI right now, but I could tell you I started it when I was 51 years old. Hopefully, when I'm, you know, like 60 or something, I could say, yeah, look at look at the empire that I built, and I did this when I was 51. So people would probably say, oh, I'm 40 years old. I'm way too old to learn something new. You're not. Yeah, that's that's a bunch of garbage. And 60, 70, it doesn't matter. If your if your cognitive skills are still there. And uh you know, and, and unless you have like a debilitating disease, you're right, you're good. right, you right. Know, you exactly. Can, you can learn something, exactly. don't give up on yourself.
1: I love it. No, that's great. That is um, that is such a truth that I think more of us need to embrace, right? We feel it's, these right. limiting beliefs of age and you know, physical limitations. No, I mean you can always grow your mind, you can as long as, like you said, there isn't anything inhibiting that, that from the biological standpoint there's no reason why you can't grow your mind. Like there's just so much out there for you to do so. So no, that's awesome. That is awesome. So, so you mentioned the name of one of your books. Is there, what's the newest one? Like in case anybody's looking to, to learn more about what you're doing.
0: Sure. The newest book that, that I wrote is, um, called biased brain. This was a book that I, I did use AI to help me write it, but I—I I, this isn't a book written by AI. Uh, it helped me do the research because um, I, I wanted to put together a collection. My first book was uh, Logically Fallacious where I have a whole collection of logical fallacies and a really thick book. So the next book I wanted to write was a book on cognitive biases. Uh, th- these things distort the way we view the world, the way we think. Um, they are They're not mistakes. They're not errors. They're actually features of how our brain works because our brain is really has the function that our body and we have is to survive and procreate. And that's it. Uh, our Our goal in life is not to um, or at least our body's goal, our, our physical goal, is not to do all these fancy things and learn and reason. That's completely different. That's that's something that we, we didn't evolve to do. We just evolved to live, survive, and procreate. So those goals are often at odds with our goals, like to, to have great relationships, to have a, a, a great career, like uh, to think reasonably and logically and learn new things things are all not part of our biological programming and that's where cognitive bias is coming they, they they take us away from those goals so if we understand these cognitive biases we understand how they affect us we could recognize them they're happening then we are we're not as much of a, a slave to them we can more easily um, get by those and get to our goal so that, that's why I had to put together that book and write that book it's called uh, The Biased, excuse me, The Biased Brain by uh, Ooh, Bo Bennett. Awesome,
1: awesome. And that's available everywhere? Everywhere, yeah. Okay, you can get awesome. that
0: on Amazon or my website is bobennett.com. That's where you find all my
1: books. Awesome, 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 awesome. Such a good conversation. I love this. And so nice. now um, we're at that part of the show where we do the fill our tradition, which is fill in the blanks. Are you ready? I'm inter- sure. I'm curious to hear what your answers are to these. Actually, all right. So the first one is: uh, if I am fearless, I will do exactly what I'm doing now,
0: but do it better. <laughs> That's
1: great. <laughs> That's great. The next one is: to me, fearless freedom means
0: uh, fearless freedom means. Uh, can I say? To be free without fear
1: <laughs> you can say whatever you like
0: that's kind of cheating though isn't it? i'm just using the same words uh yeah a, we'll, we'll, we'll keep that at that okay that's, that's
1: fair. fair That's fair. next question yeah yeah and then the last one is my battle cry is
0: um go big or go home
1: nice Nice, nice I, nice. I just said
0: that now, but I I feel that that would be a good battle cry, something to scream in in yeah. the heat of passion.
1: Absolutely. I don't think
0: I've ever said it before, but but yeah, if, if I'm if I'm about to scream a battle cry, that that sounds like a good one.
1: Okay. All right. Yeah. That's very motivating. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to spend with us here at the Pharaoh's Freedom Tribe. We appreciate it. And we are going to go to the site, right? You said it's Bo, so B-O-B-E-N-N-E-T-T dot com. Is that right? Yep. All right. Awesome. And they are going to check out the latest book and the other 12 that are also there. Right. That's great. Yes. Thank you. Awesome, Awesome. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for spending time with us. We appreciate you.
0: All right. Thank you. Bye-bye.